Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to episode 40 of The Hilo, the current affairs and pop culture podcast to you by journalists Dolly Alderton and Pandora Sykes and this is the new year special. 2016 was the year everything went wrong, Brexit, Trump, the death of George Michael and 2017 was the year we tried to glue the world back together. It was also the year the Hilo was born and what a year it's been. There have been author specials, live shows, exciting partnerships, a chart topping high of number two in the iTunes chart, well over a million downloads and an interview with our patron saint Tina Brown and vaguely complimentary but mostly patronising reviews from The Guardian. Speaking of, we've got someone special joining us for the Hilo's New Year special. He's a friend of the podcast, one of the funniest journalists currently writing today, and one of our favourites. He's a published author of a wonderful and very funny book I've already raved about on the podcast, which is a very British story about family, home, identity and brotherhood called Don't Be a Dick, Pete. And he's here to compliment and patronise us today on behalf of his paper. It's The Guardian's (laughs) Stuart Heritage. Hi. Which one do you want me to do first? Pre-record, we've just found out that one of the reviews that we refer to... My least favourite. Stu just owned up to he was the one who bloody wrote it. I wouldn't even say it was a review, really. I'd say it was a mention in a national newspaper. Then you should be lucky that you get what you... It was a flow chart, and oh. the only thing you needed to get to the high-low was, do you need to be able to tell your hosts apart? There and were if more it was steps before that. The, well, there were, do you there like was... listening to other people's conversations? Yeah, that wasn't too bad, actually. When I got it, when I saw it in the, it was in, was it in the Observer? Yeah. I said to Pandora, oh, I think um, we've been mentioned in the Observer. This is really exciting. And I was in Thailand. <laughs> and then you look at a, looked at a picture of it and you're like, this is, this is not a good, this is not a good review, Dolly. you like, anyway, it's not too bad. It's not so too bad. So we thought that we would say thanks by asking you on to our probably most important episode of the year, Stu. I know, it's lovely of you. <laughs> I wish I hadn't dropped that bomb 10 <laughs> seconds before we started recording. He only just revealed it was him. He could have easily, there was no byline, he could have easily um, gone and like, yeah, I can't, I can't believe it. How <laughs> In my defence, I will say you do have quite similar voices. We do that have quite true. similar voices. That is true. And um, we are perhaps a little defensive about that just because it's always on our iTunes No, we're reviews. not defensive about it at all. We just hope there'd be a couple of sentences before you got to that bit. Oh. <laughs> anyway, anyway, let's well, move Christmas on. Presents, let's be sake. really yeah. complimentary about Stu. If you can do it in a condescending voice, I'd really enjoy that. <laughs> oh my God, you can do it in a condescending voice. Stu, it's been quite a big year for you, hasn't it? You've published your first book. No, you've published your first book and you've had your second child, your yes. son, Ned. So what have both of those experiences been like this year? Well, I finished the book almost exactly a year ago today. Ah. Um, and I handed it all in and I got all the pictures in and it was all sealed off. And I was like, well, OK, the book's coming out next year. That's the thing that's going to happen next year. And then on Boxing Day, my wife went, I'm pregnant. So I was like, well, that immediately the book is less impressive <laughs> than that. I, how dare she? <laughs> 
she took it all from me. This is going to be my year. But no, Ned's amazing. He's a, Ned is my, the name of my son. He's a lovely boy. He's four months old. He laughs a lot. He's lovely. Were there any issues with the title, which is Don't Be a Dick? Pete, did you have to get dick past several people? I well, oh, that sounds quite wild. Yeah. Sounds did, like that thing you wrote. Did you have to get dick into the room? <laughs> I went with the partly went with the publisher I went with, Square Peg, because in okay, their in their that. um in their like wooing document that they sent me, they promised that they wouldn't put an asterisk on it that it would be the full yeah, dick. Asterisk of the pits. Yeah. But I've I've since found out that I don't like saying the name of the book out loud to people, especially the elderly. Uh, I went. I did a yeah, festival, I and so I met someone's old English teacher, and they went, "Oh, what's your book called?" And I went, oh God, <laughs> I don't want to say it. So to you've you. learned a valuable lesson. Yeah, that vulgarity also, is. Yeah, it's it's not great, and I found that people have said when they they don't like reading on public transport a lot in the in the version in the printed. Oh, they version. can get one of those like hilarious second covers that people oh, yeah, used to put like around Harry Potter when they don't want to show that they're still reading the Phoenix Goblet or whatever <laughs> But is. also I think it's softened because the cover of yours is so nostalgic with that mm. very retro font yeah. that it doesn't look, it looks kind of I think it's affectionate nice. and nostalgic. For and our listeners who wonder why you've written a book about your brother called Don't Be a Dick, Pete, can you give a precy of your, of your book and in fact how Pete feels about it? Oh, okay. Uh, so the book is a sort of uh, a memoir about my brother who is very, very different to me. I am I'm kind of polite and creative Quite. and I can read and stuff. Well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Unless you're doing a flowchart. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, my brother's very sort of traditionally masculine. He likes football and he went through a period of time where his nickname was Shagger. And there's a lot of... <laughs> So nineties. I know and he is quite nineties. Pete, he actually, is a bit. He's he? very. He is. It's like he's nineties lad culture. Yeah, yeah, he is completely. Yeah. and sees the book as an homage to him, which he, I really like. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> he's he's proud of it, unless anyone he works with has read it, and then he's really embarrassed. But yeah, it's just all the stories about like the time he tried to stab me. He had this thing on his phone in like the shaggy years called a bang folder, which is disgusting. I'm not even <laughs> sure I want to go into it. And just all the horrible fights we've had and growing up, and then yeah. It's, it's when did you realize because everyone has those kind of experiences with their siblings mm. and not everyone has the capacity to turn it into a book which is readable or or funny or smart and 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 it is all of those things when did you think god there's actually a book in this relationship because i was talking to people i wanted to write my brother made me do a, do you know what a tough mudder is that horrible yeah. crappy god, that chapter is so good the tough mudder chapter it's the, i don't know how you it, do they're it, horrible they're the worst that. i got mud in my eye once and it really destroyed the experience for me but anyway i, I i've done two he made me do eye. two <laughs> i hate them i got i had to train to get fit for them and i was like i'm gonna write a book about running and and really I was telling people, and, yeah, I know <laughs> it would have been, it would have been terrible because the extent of my running is sort of not quite ten k around <laughs> Crystal Palace Park. Terrible, like <laughs> casual weekend running. And they were like, "Well, why do you want to do that?" And I was like, "Oh, because my brother made me, and he's an idiot, and he just eats creatine. And once he burst his <laughs> bicep, burst through his shirt in front of his manager, oh and my like God. that's the sort of person he is. That was his favourite story, and I think I'm not sure if I got it in the book in time, but." It was outdone. He went to a falconry exhibition with work on an away day and he ran faster than a falcon. <laughs> <laughs> and that's his new favourite story. Yeah, so I was telling all these people about the Tough Mudder and they were like, the book is about your brother. It's not about this thing that he's made you do. It's just about the, your weird relationship that you've got. So, yeah, that's how it sort of came about. And does he think, and you, you do sense this from the book, does he think you're like quite sort of shishi and fragile yes, compared to yeah, him yeah. in your Breton tees? I know. <laughs> yeah, what would he make of your Breton to he, your sporting Anything today? I do, he calls me a ponce for. And it's 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 the word ponce. He has threatened continually to write a 
reply but don't, don't be a, don't be a, don't a punch you. you yeah <laughs> Which Again, I get. quite a 90s word. Yeah, that's Pete it's all over. Word. I yeah. love he watches football on a big television and he drives a BMW. <laughs> that's all you need to know about my brother. Well, it isn't. You need to read the book and buy the book. Yes, and, you know. and so the book is published by Squarepeg yeah. and it's out now in hardback. It yes. came out in May. It came out in May. Yeah, as Paperback you can tell, we're really year. quick off the uh, bat on the high-low. Yeah. <laughs> we like to respond to... <laughs> but the, um, uh, thank you, as, as far as I've been condescending towards you so far, my book is being published in Holland specifically because of this podcast. Did you know that? No, I didn't, no! I didn't tell yeah. Panda that. Yeah. I was Isn't about to attempt a Dutch accent of hello Dutch listeners. You have a, you have a, you have a big Dutch <laughs> following, so don't do that. Absolutely don't do that. And is there a TV adaptation? Oh, there might be. It's being optioned. <laughs> yeah, it's been optioned, yeah. And I, oh, I've had a couple of meetings and it's so far so good. So It we'll definitely see. lends itself to TV I think when you're reading those characters and those relationships and that mm. that dialogue yeah the question that I always ask when there's a TV adaptation which we recently asked Tina Brown is who would play you now Tina was too modest to reply to that I think we can get something from you well I'm not sure because the way I see the book and it's, I'm not sure if it's the case but the way I see it is I'm sort of the, the void in the middle of the book and everyone else is interesting and fun and good so I genuinely think anybody could play me any da, da. I know, and I'm sad, and I'm so alone. But yeah, my brother, I think, I, well, he's really obsessed with Danny Dyer. So we were thinking about yeah, Danny Dyer. Yeah, you see that but kind yeah, of... He's think, too old, though, Danny yeah, Dyer now. So, you know, you're, do you remember Paul Danan from Hollyoaks? Yes, Paul Danan could I think could Paul Danan would be amazing. I was going to say Tom Hardy, but that's going to no. be awful for you now, isn't it, if he hears this? That's going to be all Christmas, that's all he's yeah, going to be talking no, about. It'll be, it'll be some just skinhead idiot. <laughs> So as this is the New Year's special, let's talk about our New Year plans. Dolly is a single chick. I imagine you're destined to get wasted and play the guitar until 5am. Stu is a father of two young kids. Will you be covered in sick? I think I'm unlikely to last till midnight. I, If I'm awake at 9pm, seriously. <laughs> seriously, I'm so tired all the time. The Stu special that I found in the book that was like the recurring motif was you falling asleep in, on the sofa in front of Netflix. Fully dressed. Yeah, that's just <laughs> that's my life now. I've watched Hashtag I've watched half life. of every the first half of every episode of The Crown. I really enjoyed the last half. No idea. <laughs> Lots of films. I don't know what happened. I went to see Star Wars at the weekend, missed quite a lot of that. Fell asleep in the cinema. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's dark and warm. Who yeah. wouldn't? Yeah. yeah. With the excuse. So are you just going to be in watching telly? I think so. I don't know. I haven't really organised There's always some yet. great telly on New Year's Eve, I hear. I shall be maybe discovering it this year. Oh, really? Well, For the first it? time? My mum always gets a highlighter out. Yeah, no, there oh. is good TV on. She gets that For weekend. the mums and the dads in the like, early 60s. Do you like watching firework displays on the television? <laughs> no. That's no. like people who watch Glastonbury on the television. Yeah. And I'm always in a house where that seems to be happening. And I'm like, <laughs> if I wanted to watch Glastonbury, I would have bought a ticket yeah. for Glastonbury rather than watching the coverage of Glastonbury. So you're watching fireworks. What are you? Good? You are going out, aren't you? I'm going to a dinner party. Yeah, but I do, I still don't know what time I'll necessarily. You've already pre-booked your ten o'clock Uber home. <laughs> no, I might try and last past ten p.m. I think I'll be all right at that one because that's being hosted by a fellow pregnant woman. So I'll have an ally. Right. Okay. I think if you have an ally, you can last a bit longer. And I'm interested, Stu, as a, a parent of two, do you have any top tips for Panda going into the next couple of months? For pregnancy or for having a baby? Definitely not for pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are more useful people I could probably ask about pregnancy. Yeah. But yeah, child rearing tips. It's, um, well, your wife writes very beautifully about yeah. this. So why don't you steal some words from her? Whatever. I wrote about <laughs> it first. Um, I had a column about it and she nicked it. But she does it better than me. I love you, Robin. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's hard. It's so hard initially 
to just have this person that you have to deal with. It's really difficult. But six months from now, you'll be looking back on when it's a girl, when she was just born. And sort of, it's so easy in retrospect. Having a newborn, newborn baby is so easy in retrospect because they just lay there and they don't know anything. Yes, because they just sleep. It's when they start doing shit. Yeah, when they might, because Pete had a baby in April and it was a good baby and he thought he got away with it. But now he can sit up and crawl around and knock stuff off things. And it's he's My much God, more difficult. God, there's a sequel in this. Yes. Um, Don't be a dick mini Pete. Don't be <laughs> it means cool. Yeah, I know. Dick. I thought about it. And then I thought, I can't do a whole book of just me slagging and my brother off slagging my... <laughs> off our nephews that would be the worst dolly what about you what do your new year's plans hold new year's plans? um i am going out dancing in boogaloo it's just like every friday night about to say i'm going out dancing and boogieing and i was about to ask what the dancing difference was between and dancing boogieing. and boogieing. oh my god i had an awful moment at my friend's gig on friday night where there was like some sister sledge playing and me and my friend india were quite drunk dancing to it we were the only two people dancing and I looked at India and she was wearing like a quite baggy shirt and jeans. And there was a certain way she was dancing. I was like, oh, my God, we look like mums. <laughs> Something has suddenly happened. We look like mums. And I could tell that other people thought Just we looked like mums. No, well, I think that I need to bring back the worm because a, a self-respecting mother wouldn't do the worm. Didn't so someone, it roots me more in my 20s. Did you say to someone recently, oh, I've been thinking about bringing back the worm. I think people miss it. <laughs> and the person said, Dolly, you said that yeah, the other day. Yeah. You said you thought people missed it. I went, someone it. said they missed the worm. She was like, yeah, it was you at lunch. <laughs> you said you missed your worm. If you, if you did, <laughs> you I've missed been out. your worm. <laughs> oh, God, prospective partners of Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> I've been out with mums of children before and unless you are completely, completely shit-faced, you didn't look like a mum. Mums, as soon as they get a night off, I've learnt, just get trashed. I know, I cannot wait trashed. to take this one out. It's incredible. <laughs> I think, I can't imagine that you get anything other than trashed having not drunk for that long. Yeah. I imagine it's two glasses of wine and then you cry and go to bed. You you kind of, you hit it as hard as you can from what I've been able to see and then you, you have three but hangovers. But you don't last very long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're like, this guy And then can't. you don't talk to the friend who took you out for six months. <laughs> <laughs> oh god I hope it's not that bad no but I've also already got that thing you know when people have when it's like I'm going to be a cool mum like being a mum is not going to be my identity I'm not going to look like mum like you know all of those sort of pleas for resistance that, mm. that people do about when they turn into a mother I don't know we'll see we'll see how much I manage to resist it <laughs> <laughs> Support for the Hilo comes from Google Pixel 2. Google has been built on asking questions and challenging the status quo. From maps to email search and beyond, Google has a history of looking at the norm and finding a better way. Each week, we will do a curiosity challenge where we pose a question to one another, which encompasses the Hilo's ethos of covering all things from the personal to the philosophical to the surreal. This week, Dolly, my question to you is, what do you think the most common New Year's resolution is? Oh, that's a good question. Have you researched the answer? I absolutely have, using Google. Um, I think, oh, it makes me really sad to say this, but I think it's probably something about changing your body or losing weight. You're right, Dollaria. Is it? 38% is to exercise more. 32% of New Year's resolutions yeah. is to lose weight. Isn't that sad, though? The top two. I know. I think we should abandon those slightly sad ambitions. And instead, let's focus on some of the world's weirdest New Year's resolutions from around the world that I have unearthed courtesy of Google. You could drop ice cream on the floor, as they do in Switzerland. You could stuff 12 grapes into your mouth on the stroke of midnight, as they apparently do in Spain. That's so you. That's so something I would do as a dare at a party. Or you could opt for coloured underwear indicative of what you hope for in the next year, as per South American tradition. Red for love, 
gold for wealth. Who has gold underwear? A total G. I'd wear a pair of gold ninnies. Would you? Especially if it brings me wealth. If you're looking for a way to capture your New Year moments... Rather than wealth. Why not try... A Google Pixel 2. The Google Pixel is the world's best smartphone, capturing your best ever photos, whether you're in bright light or dark evenings, so starry nights look as good as sunny days. Thank you very much and Happy New Year to our golden undercrackers of a partner, Google Pixel 2. (laughs) It's now time for my 2017 quiz, which I have devised for Stu and Dolly. There are 20 questions from over the course of the year highs and lows but mainly quite light no really distressing news stories crowbarred in there so mainly some pop culture a little bit of politics they have got a pen and paper at the ready and then they're going to mark each other's papers and the prize for the winner is Dolly's favourite Pret Christmas sandwich Oh, this is what you're playing for so I hope your hungry tummies are making you smart right the stakes the ante has been upped officially This is the 2017 Hilo Quiz. Question one. What word did Trump accidentally invent in a tweet in May, which caused, in the words of the BBC, the internet to melt? Question two. Which actor read out the wrong card at the Oscars, which mistakenly stated that Moonlight had won the Oscar for Best Picture and not La La Land? You know this. Damn, I do know this. He's a bit of an oldie now. I know. Sex pot oh, this know. time. Oh, I know. No more clues. That was, I was very kind say, of me. Yeah. I know, I'm so sorry. Okay, Stu gets a clue now and he doesn't know one. At the centre of what is now the world's most famous meme, BBC Dad, what is his name? Bonus point if you can tell me what university he works at. Dolly, you don't get any points for knowing his daughter's name. Scratching of pencils. Question four. Who won Love Island 2017? Are you laughing because that's really easy, Stu? No. I'm (laughs) laughing because I'm 37 years old. I don't know who that is. I think both of you are very disappointing then. It was a big pop culture moment. Is it a two? It's a couple that wins, isn't it? Oh, for God's sake. (laughs) No, Dolly, one person wins at Love Alone, which I know if Love (laughs) Island was your show would happen. (laughs) Question five. What did British academic Matthew Godwin famously eat live on Sky News after Labour polled 38% ahead of the election? I found this very comical. I'm disappointed at your baffled looks. I'm not baffled. Okay, someone is. Dolly! Question six. What action film became the biggest ever box office opening for a female director in Mm. June? Look at Stu's hands. Literally. I haven't haven't (laughs) done this with my hands since I've been at school. He really wants to win the sandwich. I like sandwiches. Look at me. <laughs> and you it's lunchtime. <laughs> this one's quite hard. I don't think you're going to like me for this, Tony. How many millions tuned in to watch Trump's inauguration? Bonus points if you know how many tuned in for Obama's. I will accept the answer closest to the nearest million. Globally or in this country or in America? I actually don't know which my answer is. It must be America. It must be in America, my answer. Okay. Question eight. How much did Taylor Swift win in a court case against DJ David Muella, who put his hand on her ass? I love how noisy Stu's pen is. It makes him sound it's so a, industrious. It's a really good pen. This is my book signing pen. It's, it's like the, hi, thanks for coming. <laughs> Number nine. What pink accessory was created by Krista Sue and Jane Zyman to be worn at the Women's March in January? 
Question 10. What children's toy became the subject of heated debate in May? Hint, the journalist Martin Daubney famously said to fellow journalist Joel Golby's great amusement that they were destroying humanity's concentration. I remember you liking this story, Dolly. Question 11. What is the correct pronunciation for the high street retailer P-R-I-M-A-R-K? The retailer stunned the world earlier this year when it revealed that we had all been saying it wrong. Question 12. Daniel Craig said he would rather blank, blank, blank than play Bond again. Fill in the blanks and note that this is also a lie because I believe he is playing Bond again. Question 13. Not strictly a news headline, but according to some listeners, the greatest moment of the high-low of 2017, which says a lot about the quality of my work. What band did I mistakenly attribute the disgusting figure that is R. Kelly to? Question 14. What hashtag circulated after the Daily Mail ran a story on Nicola Sturgeon and Theresa May's physiques during a March meeting between the two politicians to discuss Scotland's role in Brexit? Oh. Full smorgasbord of questions, a real high-low here. How did Ryan Reynolds choose to wish happy birthday to his wife Blake Lively on Instagram? Hint, she repaid the favour later that year. You know this, Dolly, you quite like it. It's kind of in Chrissy Teigen would do. Question 16. In January, Fiona was celebrated on the cover of Time magazine with people celebrating her as a body-positive role model. But what animal is Fiona? <laughs> She's from the same zoo as Harambe. Remember him? Oh. R.I.P. Yeah. Question 17. Which two actresses bravely and boldly triggered the Me Too movement? Question 18. It's the final furlong. How much was French President Emmanuel Macron's beauty bill revealed to be in August? I will accept this answer in dollars, euros or pounds and answer closest to the nearest thousand will be awarded the point. Don't be afraid to go big on this. Question 19. Which slightly past its sports star revealed his close friendship with North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un with the statement, he loves basketball. Basketball and music are the key to everything. Both Dolly and Stu have written their answer just halfway through that question. (laughs) They may not know who won Love Island, but they do know that. Question 20. The final question from your quizmaster. Which of these three phrases has been revealed to be the most annoying on social media according to a survey done by Online Spy Shop? Snowflake, fake news or woke? Hmm. The most annoying. Yes, it's tricky. Who did the survey? Online Spy Shop. <laughs> it's an incredibly <laughs> illustrious survey, Stu, of 2,000 people. Online Spy Shop. <laughs> They are a, 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 a digital something. Okay, now swap. Swapping oh, answers. I think I've done very poorly at this. Right, we'll do a little recap for those of you at home. What word did Trump accidentally invent in a tweet in May? Well, I yeah. thought it was coffefe, but you've written here confefe. Yeah. It is coffefe. God damn it. <laughs> you can have half a point. No, don't give me any points. I don't deserve them. Oh, you're quite a like, player. I quite like confefe. <laughs> Confetti. That's what I was thinking of. Oh, well. Also a silly word. Question two. Which actor read out the wrong card at the Oscars? Warren Beatty. Both written Warren Beatty. Yeah, Yeah, well done. Question three. Who is BBC Dad? Is it... Oh, you've written Robert Kelly. Is that Yes! Ah, well done. You've written here John. It might be someone called John. I don't know. (laughs) And do either of you know... I mean, if he's gone for John, he's not going to know what university. Poussin. You knew 
that? Yes. How weird. No, he was a, he's an expert in North Korea, so I guess yeah, yeah, it would yeah. be a Korean He's, he's quite, poor man, is actually like really revered for mm. his thoughts on yeah. <laughs> North okay. Korean politics and instead he's this is what you get when you Google him. Question four. I feel like neither of you got this. Who won Love Island 2017? Linda and Jeremy. Oh my God. What, in 1964? <laughs> yes, they won Love Island in 1964. She's written, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What? That's a perfectly valid... Kem thing. and Amber, they broke up a few weeks ago. Oh. I think even the BBC reported <laughs> on it. What about what happened to Linda and Jeremy? I don't know what happened to Linda and Jeremy. They sound like the far more interesting couple. Yeah, definitely. I'd have them round for dinner. Yeah. Yeah. You look a bit like Linda and Jeremy. Absolutely. (laughs) You are Linda and he is definitely Jeremy. (laughs) He. Question five. What did British academic Matthew Godwin famously eat on Sky News? Dolly's written ham sandwich. His book? His own book. How did I miss this? I don't. Well, I don't know. But well done, Stu. Well done, Stu. Yeah, his own book. He ate his own book about Brexit on Sky News. Why did he eat it? Because he said he would if uh, if he was wrong about if Labour polled thirty percent. That's funny. Question six. <laughs> That's funny. Shame you missed it at the time. <laughs> Question six. Which action film became the biggest ever box office opening for a female director in June? Wonder Woman. Yeah. yeah. Great, we've both got that. Question seven. How many millions tuned in to watch Trump's inauguration in America? Very varying figures here. Yeah, massively. All right, let's go for you first, you. Well, Dolly's written 11 million. Okay, and what's you written? 95 million. Oh, my God. I'm, I I think I didn't clarify that it was in America, so <laughs> Dolly is close. Dolly is closer with 38 million. Okay. What about for the bonus point of Obama? 22 million. He said 120 million confusing because again I think we've gone global um, but in America it's 31 million I do accept oh. that the quiz master was not no it was 38 sorry I've got that the wrong way around it was 38 million for Obama and 31 for Trump because do you remember right. that's when the whole alternative facts thing happened because yeah. because uh, Trump tried to claim that he had more by showing all those pictures yes. and everyone was like no it's very clearly Obama and that's when Sean whatever his is says no I just think these were alternative facts yeah. okay so you we'll, win on both of them do I? yes well, okay. because I, was, I went I skyrocketed beyond I should have done global. That's fine. That's fine. This is not an American podcast. I'm very sorry. Right. Question eight. How much did Taylor Swift win in her court case against David Mueller? Again, a big difference. I've... You're right. You're right. The it was I've symbolic. Yeah. yeah. It's one dollar. Yeah. Yeah. Well You've done. What did Dolly write? One million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> like Dr. Evil. And we did actually cover that on the high note as well. Anyway. Yeah, we covered most of this level. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Question nine. What pink accessory did... Krista Sue and Jane Simon invent for the Women's March. There's a tale of two halves here, Stu, because oh, you've written bracelet question mark, then crossed it out and wrote anal beads. Because you went, it's you said it's dirty or something, and I, I couldn't think of anything dirty. You so thought anal beads. that anal beads I don't know. would be particularly relevant for the Women's March. I got very a confused. Pussy hat. A the pussy that? hat. What's a pussy hat? What's a pussy hat? Oh my God, both of you. It was like a massive news story. Everyone wore them at the marches in America and lots of people a in the UK. A hat that looks like the a pussy, pussy or a hat yeah. that you wear on your pussy? No, it's, it, you wore it. That's what it. I thought. That's yeah. where my head went. You yeah. wore, they were worn. They were meant to sort of be like a pussy hat. Because do you not remember there was a lot of debate from the trans community saying we don't feel like a pussy hat? Right. I mean, <laughs> I don't know where the fuck both of you were. My one uh, isn't great, my no, answer. Pink shiwi, which would be practical. <laughs> Much more practical that's than like, a pussy hat. That's like when there was the pink Bic pen Ferrari. Anyway, glad that you still you're still subscribing. To... Anyway, number ten. What children's toy became the subject of heated debate in May? Fidget spinners. Fidget We've spinners. both got that. Yeah. Do either of you have a fidget spinner? 
I found one in the park and I kept it because I wanted to see what they were like. Oh, they're you so that relaxing. Yeah. They're so no, nice. Do you have like it. a shelf of things you found in the park and Robin <laughs> makes you periodically spring? Uh, there is a bit. If I find something, I, find, I we use a frisbee that I found in the park. So there's some dog walker now who's got a really sad dog. Do you dog, wash but... these things when you find them? No, yeah. it's nice. It's foraging. <laughs> Yes, I'm sure it's great for your sons to... <laughs> Very good for their immune wheel. system. <laughs> it probably is. They'll never get ill because they're so filthy all the time. Question 11. What is the correct pronunciation for P-R-I-M-A-R-K? I think you might be right on this one. Pre, Pre-A-Mark. So you said pre-Mark. It's prior mark. Oh, bugger. Prior. It's not primark uh, or pre-mark. Okay. It's prior mark. Right, so you both got that yeah. wrong. Yeah. I still refuse to call it that because you sound like a total wanker. Don't care if that's how it's meant to be said. Question 12. Daniel Craig said he would rather what than play Bond again. Now, it looks here like you've written shit his own wrists. You know very well what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try. Well done, Dolly. You got that and right. Did you get that? Point. No, whatever. Yes, he did. We both said slit his wrists. Yeah. Not strictly a news headline, but what band did I think that R. Kelly belonged to? Uh, Stu thinks it's boys to men. Dolly, Dolly <laughs> thinks it's the Lighthouse family. I think Stu hasn't listened to the Hilo before. Oh. And I think Dolly got the correct answer. And yet he felt very comfortable writing a flowchart. Really. <laughs> That's why it was so brief. Oh, my God. <laughs> Love, Stu Heritage, who never listens to podcasts. Um, <sighs> it's uh, the Lighthouse family she thought R. Kelly was in. Okay. Well, I still think he is. Question 14. What hashtag circulated... After Nicola Sturgeon and Theresa May's physiques made the Daily Mail headline. We've both written legs it. Yeah. 15. Had Ron Reynolds choose to wish happy birthday to his wife and she then repaid the favour. <laughs> oh, God. What have you written, Stu? What's he written? Stu's written basic politeness. Basic. Just like happy birthday. <laughs> basic I love you. Politeness. Isn't that enough? What did Dolly write? Jumped out of a cake. Oh, my God. Both of you. He Instagrammed a picture of himself with just like her arm and her ear in it. said, happy birthday to my beautiful wife. And she then repaid the favour by Instagramming a picture of him and Ron Gosling. But she cut off her own husband. It's just a picture of Ron Gosling. Right, she wrote, happy birthday, baby. No, it wasn't politeness. It's sass. Yeah, they, sass. They chose it sass. into a meme. Again, that's why I said it was quite Chrissy Teigeny. They are quite Chrissy yeah, Teigeny on social media. Question 16. Who is Fiona, the animal celebrated on the cover of Time magazine for her curvaceous body? Dolly's written warthog. Stuart's written gorilla. She was a premature hippo. Oh. <laughs> She's really sweet looking. <laughs> Question 17. Which two actresses bravely and boldly triggered the Me Too movement? I will become a better feminist in 2018, says Dolly Alderton. <laughs> did Stu get the answer right, Dolly? Stu did get the answer right. Rose McGowan and Ashley Judd. I'm not good with names. I'm not good with names. I could, I could. Did I get them both right? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Get me. Yeah. How much was French President Emmanuel Macron's beauty bill revealed to be in August? Stu, what's Dolly got? Dolly's got 12,000 euros. No, Dolly. What's Stu got? 50,000 pounds. I mean, again, we're just going to have to go right in the middle. It's either 26,000 pounds or 28,000 euros or 31,000 So that's Stu's nearer. Oh, no. No, because. 12 is closer. Yeah. You okay. Will. Congratulations. Thank you. But still, your quiz master's slightly disappointed. <laughs> Question 19, which slightly passed its sports star, revealed his close friendship with North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un with the statement, he loves basketball, basketball and music are the key to everything. Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Question 20, which of these three phrases is revealed to be the most annoying on social media, according to a survey done by the illustrious, illuminating and well-known <laughs> digital consultancy online spy shop? <laughs> is it snowflake, fake news or woke? Dolly's got woke. 
Stu's written snowflake. It is snowflake. Oh, well done. Let's count up your points. Who gets the Christmas sandwich? Oh, 12. Oh, you win, Stu. What? You're 13 out of 20, and I'm 12 out of 20. Oh, well, well done to my team players. I feel like you should have an extra point for having much better handwriting than me. (laughs) You get the sandwich, Stu. Here's your Christmas sandwich. Oh, thanks. No, I think you both did very well. Thank you, you scored. Very much. Do you remember at university when like sixty percent was really good on an essay? Yes, it was yeah. two one. Like that you was both, a two one. You both scored two ones. I'd say I did better at this than I did at my own degree. This <laughs> is incredible. Two ones. What did you get for your own I got degree? Got a two two, didn't I? Because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> you graduate from the high low with a Christmas sandwich and a two one. <laughs> Clapping myself. <laughs> Thank you for that quiz, Quizmaster. As it's the New Year special, we should probably discuss our resolutions for 2018. I can't believe it's 2018. I have a real problem with anyone under the age of 18 now because it means that they've been born after the millennium and I just don't trust them. I think something seismic happened in that time and that no one is to be trusted after it. Anyway, Stu, what are your resolutions for 2018? I've got two tangible ones this year. I never normally do um, resolutions, but this year I would like to pass my driving test and also get a vasectomy. All right. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Not at the same time. I was about to say, would you like to get a vasectomy in your car? I don't have a car yet. I'd like to do it in somewhere clinical and uh, sterile. Also, I don't know if getting a vasectomy is a resolution. I think that's more, no, of, a, that's more of a to-do list. No, you must, <laughs> well, it's, 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 I think he's, what he's done is he's got one that he obviously thinks is going to be quite challenging. Yeah. He's not sure he's going to pass a driving test. Yeah. So then he's got one that's incredibly easy and just involves him proffering yeah. a flaccid <laughs> penis. And undergoing an awful lot of pain from what I've been able to read on the internet. Yeah, like yeah, a dr- really oh, painful. Okay. Not sure, as much like as childbirth. childbirth. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Like I haven't heard this argument a thousand <laughs> times in my life already. I think those are two um, very solid ones. Good luck with both. Thank you. I want to say keep us posted, but no, actually no, really no, don't. No. no. You don't have to keep us posted. <laughs> what about you, Panda? I never really bother with resolutions, as in I say them and then I forget them, but they're also always quite sad, like be a nicer person. I would say, oh, actually, no, I do I do have quite a real one. Stop saying that I'm busy or stressed because I find it really annoying when you say to someone, how are you? And they go, I'm really stressed. We use that word all the time now. And also busy. I'm only going to allow myself to use it if I'm still working past midnight. That's going to be my barometer. And not if I'm still working past midnight because I started working at 11pm. Instead, I'm going to see myself as occupied. Yeah. So I'm going to be fully occupied. <laughs> Dolly, what are yours? Last year, you had loads, and I think they were off the top of my head. Get better at the guitar. Mm. Learn French. Mm. Write a book. Yay. Yay. You did that. Live on my own. Yeah. Um, interview Rod Stewart. Sadly, that didn't happen. Ring my mum more. Did I that did happen? That. Yeah. Explore, sp- <laughs> explore spirituality and religion in oh a non... Oh my God, I remember that. In a non-half-assed way. And Pandora said, sadly, I think this one is not going to get out of the door. For did it? How did, did it go? It? Uh, well, there was the Headspace app and I've read a couple of Buddhism books, but no. <laughs> what about for 2018? 2018, I'm really keen to learn to drive, but I'm going to do it on automatic. Are you going to do manual? I want to learn stick, I believe they call it. Yeah. Because uh, automatic feels like cheating. Because I, I think it feels an, like cheating. Yeah, but if that's if that's what it takes to drive, then that's what you should Everyone do. Everyone I know who drives now, though, in their late 20s or late 30s, <laughs> tends to go automatic. Yeah, because they're like, oh my god, the thought of having to do this at this stage. Yeah, because it's a lot of man hours. Yeah, mm. and I tried to learn to drive when I was eighteen and had 
35 lessons and the man in the end was like this is a waste of me too that's exactly really? what happened yeah. yeah shall i tell you something that's going to really make you look forward to trying to pass your driving test go on i passed on my seventh time Seventh is okay. Yeah. Seventh is about a thousand pounds worth of tests. Yeah. <laughs> it was an expensive year. <laughs> I think I like the idea of manual because in my head, the reason I'm learning to drive is to like get a Cadillac and, you know, <laughs> aim at the sun. Have the, have the wind in my hair and do Route 66. Whereas two will be in like a four by four. Oh, <laughs> I'm going straight to just the squarest, blockiest, You'll safest. be in a Prius. Yeah. Um, Not a Prius. A Prius is too Uber. No, yeah. I, I want just a Volvo or something. You're Go a Volvo to... guy. Yeah. So that's one of mine. And the other one is to be on my phone less. And I don't think you're too bad with your phone. I'm pretty bad. Yeah, oh, okay, fine. pretty bad. <laughs> I've got to be on my phone. You inspired me when you said that you checked social media I'm once in the morning Dolly. and once in the evening. I'd like to do that. It's not always strictly true, but it's what I try and do. <laughs> I catch myself doing it then, then I will come off. Well, I wish you both masses of luck in driving. I think you're going to both hate the experience, but you will so enjoy, God, this is going to sound patronising, the freedom that comes with being your own driver. <laughs> Honestly, it's so nice. I know in London people say you don't need to learn to drive, but it makes such a fucking difference to when you're doing chores. Mm. You can do five chores in an afternoon instead of three. Support for the Hilo comes from the delicious stationery brand Papier. Papier excels at personalised stationery, whether or not that's lined notebooks, diaries, sketchbooks or note cards. You can pick from hundreds of designs from Luke Edward Hall and Mother of Pearl to iconic brands like the V&A. Pandora and I both adore the personalised note cards. Mine are red and hers are blue. And the diaries. We opted for the pretty pink marbled diaries for 2018. Both Dolly and I are dinosaurs when it comes to diaries. You can fuck off with your iCal invites. We like a hard copy and a smudgy disposable fountain pen. Thank you very much. As Pandora knows, I almost died when I lost my diary earlier this year. It was a very horrible week. I now have two diaries as a contingency plan and one is by Papier, Natch. A Papier diary is the perfect gift for those who love putting pen to calendar, whilst the sketchbook is ideal for the budding artist. For those of you who have masses of Christmas thank you cards to write, lucky you, what are you, five years old? We cannot recommend the cards enough. The personalised diaries are $16.99. The personalised note cards start at £1.09p per card and the customised sketchbooks are $8.99. They really are bloody beautiful. We cannot recommend them enough. Don't forget to shop the Papier range using the exclusive Hilo discount code H-I-G-H-L-O-W, all in capitals, to get yourself 15% off. Thank you very much to Papier. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's now time for a bumper segment of Ask the Hilo. Dolly's been sifting through the inbox, through your highs and lows of and, life. And we're very excited to have Stu as the uh, visiting agony uncle. Fantastic. Absolutely. Dolly, do you want to kick us off? Hi, Dolly. Hi, Pandora. And hi, Stu, she would say if she knew you were here. Yeah, she didn't know, <laughs> did she? I noticed that. <laughs> I need some advice about how to date as a single mother of two young boys. 
There is construction work going on in the building opposite me. And last week I got chatting to the site manager. I think, no, I know that he was flirting with me and I just froze. I don't remember how to date. I don't know the do's and don'ts. I've been off the dating scene for years. The builder is 32 with two little boys of his own. And I'm 35, which I know isn't old, but it's older than him. And also... I've never had a one night stand in my life. I find him attractive, but I'm also not sure that we'd have that much in common to talk about. If I were to go out with this man, where do you think we should go? Dinner, a walk, fish and chips by the sea? I have all these horrible body in a bag serial killer scenarios in my head. But also I haven't had sex in almost two years and I'm wearing my sex goggles, which is so un-me. What would you do? Love, L. I'm wearing my sex goggles. I love that. But also sex goggles came immediately after serial killer. So in my head, I've just conflated it as a serial killer wearing goggles. So firstly, Elle, I would say chill out. You're you're going into overdrive. I wouldn't worry whether or not you go for dinner, a walk or fish and chips by the sea. And don't worry if you don't have anything in common with him. It sounds like you need to just get out there. It's an mm. awful expression. But if you've gone through, as you say in your longer letter, I fucking love being able to say that because that shows that we are privy to information that you guys will never know. <laughs> but in her longer letter, she says, um, Elle says that she had a horrible divorce after 10 years of marriage in 2016. So you've obviously been pretty bruised and you've done that thing, which I think happens a lot. Dolly, I think you've had experience of that where you just slightly start to dread going on a date having not dated for a while yeah and actually it doesn't need to be really terrifying you might have nothing in common with him but also if you don't it's if you haven't had sex in two years there was a period of my life where that would have been just like the most unthinkable prison and like a death sentence but like that's also fine okay, they call don't... you shagger too <laughs> <laughs> pete and i have a lot in common um but you don't have to have sex you know if you really if you're not feeling comfortable with going out and dating you don't feel ready for it don't feel a pressure don't be cat person to do it I, I think that we have too much in our culture that means that you have to have romance and sex in your life you can if you want it but if you don't you don't have to so if you don't want to then you don't, don't go on dates sounds nice that you obviously live by the sea that's the only way I can imagine that you're going for fish and chips by the sea well here's another idea I thought casual. and I need Stu's opinion on this of whether this is ethically okay Okay. You could use each other's children for a date. What, go on a play, a date, play date and then yeah. see if anything happens between you? And it will take the pressure off a bit, I think. Yeah. What do you think? Well, that's what I glommed onto. I think the fact that he's got kids and this woman's got kids, I think that's great because I would imagine that there's a if you've got kids and you're trying to go out with people who don't have kids, then that's a big thing. Yes. But at least there's a basic understanding there. Exactly. So uh, the, the only thing is, if you take your kids out on a play date and it doesn't work out, then your kids are going to want to know where their new friends are. And that might add an extra level of complication yeah, there to go. it. There's the don't parent you in the room. stuff like that? <laughs> Aren't they all right? Uh, yeah, yeah, kids are stupid. <laughs> is, that, is that what you're getting at? Kids are really dumb. They're, I just thought that maybe they meet ch- like children quite often. So if they didn't yeah. see the children again, they'd just... I don't know. I don't know much about playing. But it's a very good thing to have in common. I yeah. I can't talk to people who don't have children anymore. I don't know how to do it. So I'm sure maybe she has the same thing. I, I mean, like... you and Dolly have hosted several events together, so I'm not sure that's strictly true. <laughs> Hyperbole. Somehow it's not welcome in this studio. <laughs> I apologize. I think they were going for like a walk along the sea with the kids or whatever might be good because also it will quell your fears of the serial killer body bag thing. If it's daytime. Yeah, adds and a new note that, doesn't it? The serial killer. <laughs> serial killer play date. But you do mention as well the age gap of 32 and 35. That's nothing. Both, and That's also, nothing. both of those ages are really young. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. think I don't think you need to worry that um, you're sort of going to be like past it. But as Panda said, I've had those periods in my life where I have wanted to go out 
dating and the thought of it was so stressful and especially if you've had a really horrible divorce what happens is you then conflate all romance with your last breakup so it just feels like this big dramatic kind yeah, there's of traumatic and thing looms. and it looms and it doesn't have to be like that and sometimes it is good to get back out there as Pan said and just remind yourself that it can just be fun so I just wouldn't overthink it if you like the guy then go have a play date and then mum and dad can have a beer keep us posted dear Pandora and Dolly at both university and now in my particular line of work, I am surrounded by people who have been privately educated and tend to exude a kind of smooth and easy confidence when speaking that I fear I'll never have as someone from a northern working class background. I know I'm intelligent and I feel short of my work and my abilities, but I feel like my way of talking, full of filler words and with a certain lack of polish, stops people from seeing all that I can offer and is holding me back both personally and professionally. It's not my accent, it's more a cultural barrier of mannerisms, soft skills and knowledge that can be quite difficult to define. Do you have any words of wisdom on how I could walk and talk more easily in a world that doesn't feel like my own and more generally how to be confident with public speaking as two people who partially do it for a living? Thank you so much for your wonderful podcast. G. I thought it was really important to read this one out because something that I've realised as I've got older is that the great, as you say, the great privilege that comes from private education for me is a very innate sense of confidence that I'm only realising as I, even if it's a confidence I'm not aware of, somehow it has been inbuilt in me mm-hmm. from doing debating when I'm younger or public speaking or whatever. Not saying that this is general with everyone who's privately educated, but I certainly know that it engenders a kind of privilege that manifests as a quiet confidence. So I really feel for you because that's an incredibly unfair advantage. But... It's nothing to do with language, as you say. It's to do with self-belief. So if I were you, I would do as much kind of practice as you can with your friends or at home. I would see if there are any courses that you can do or any books you can read. And I'm sure that you know this already, but your opinions and thoughts and feelings and view on the world is completely as legitimate as someone with a stupid posh voice. What I would say as well is that it's probably not so much about how you talk when you've gone to private school, although it may seem that way, but I think what is instilled in, or has been instilled in Dolly and I, and we're very lucky for this, is you have a confidence that you have a legitimate place in the world. You Mm. are validated in your existence and perhaps we don't have that doubt starting the podcast that we would if we hadn't gone to a school that had given us that confidence and as Dolly says that is a great privilege what I would say is that in this day and age thank god we live in a much more kind of diverse society in terms of the voices you're hearing you know it's no longer received pronunciation on the radio and on the telly you hear northern exactly. voices all the time and uh, as you should you know you hear voices from all over if it's a case of you know filler words I just did a you know there Dolly and I took a really long time doing this podcast to get to a place where we had the confidence to not do endless so's or likes or the thing is and that is literally practice it's because we're hearing ourselves that we then hear those filler words and hate them and notice them on other shows and try not to do that because we find it quite annoying to listen to and that was just practice practice. it really is just practice so it may sound really stupid being like talking to your hairbrush or listen to an audio book or go to a talk but if this is something that really bothers you then practice it like you would the guitar Mm. or driving Mm. lessons yeah what do you think Stu I'm sort of in her position and it's so tough 
anytime I go to work yeah, the Guardian everybody there is privately educated and you just feel like there's a part of the puzzle that you're not you don't understand how things work as it's not I mean it's not even filler words or anything like that it's just feeling you're like you're left mm. out and it took me it's still I did um, literary festivals in the summer for my book and you do feel like you're you're a bit of a fraud because everyone is they they have references that, that you don't get and well, I guess everyone has that I've got around it just by like you said not practice but just knowing your own worth and knowing that mm. it's they'll feel there'll be times where you feel out of place but then there'll be times if I go to the Guardian and I talk to them about something that they they won't feel like they know everything so it works both ways my wife is privately educated and she's very she sounds very very posh she's very well spoken but she feels same, the same in Ashford where everyone's slightly more sort of working class and she feels like she stands out because she she speaks too well almost yes it could, and then the so it does work backwards the the implications from that can come i it sounds like i'm too good for you or it sounds like you know snooty so yeah. of course there's privilege inherent in one camp that's mm. not necessarily mm. inherent in the other it's interesting hearing you say that it makes me really sad because i think it shows how far we still have to go in the media especially journalism especially yeah. well, because journalism. it's so difficult to get into journalism unless you have someone that yeah. can help you out on your yeah, bills at the beginning. i definitely. interned for free for two years you yeah. know it is ridiculous it's still a shit show for interns and journalism but so as as you said as well the importance is getting a grip on your own self-worth yeah. and not allowing yourself to be an imposter and also just remember that you can't be what you can't see. So something that can kind of fuel and inspire you is that if you find yourself in a space where you're being heard and that you have the confidence to use your voice, then think of other people who sound like you or come from the same background as you who will be inspired to do the same, which is a really brilliant thing. Yeah. And you have she's got strengths. That if everyone else is from the same background and she isn't, then she's got strengths that, that other people won't have. And it's yeah. just you do have to sort of dig out your own pitch a mm. bit harder yeah. but I mean it's doable and also I talk much posher around uh, <laughs> posh people than I do when I'm just around my brother and we just call each other twats all the time <laughs> I want to hear your Pete voice <laughs> oh my my son can do a Pete voice it's amazing we've taught him he goes Abby 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 that's amazing Dolly and Pandora thanks for your brilliant and thoughtful podcast I could really do with some of your sage advice and wisdom right now I've been struggling with a combination of anxiety and humiliation after committing a social media faux pas at work. I work at a well-known city firm. There's been a lot of encouragement recently for employees to participate in social media. And we've been asked to use a particular hashtag for all our tweets so they can be tracked by our marketing team. I wanted to retweet a comment made by a journalist, but wasn't sure how to include the suggested hashtag, so added a simple sentence to preface the RT, essentially a proposition to suggest my firm could offer services for the particular issue the journalist was talking about. I knew it was an unsophisticated pretext, but I had next to no followers so didn't expect it would have any influence. Unfortunately, a few hours later, I realised to my horror that the journalist had retweeted my tweet saying I do not endorse people using my tweets for marketing. Below that, a number of people had commented to say how crass my tweet was, that it was nasty not what they'd expect from my organisation, and that whoever wrote it could expect a bad afternoon at the office. I immediately took down the tweet and then later confessed to my bosses what had happened. They were surprisingly calm and helpful, and though I was grateful not to be in much trouble, I now can't stop ruminating on the comments people made or the fact that my mistake was so publicly broadcast. What advice do you have for dealing with this kind of anxiety and shame? I know it's catastrophizing, but it's been a total knock to my confidence and I don't know how to move on. Yours, embarrassed F. 
Oh, I really felt for you because I think that Twitter, unlike Instagram or Snapchat, is still very much a media domain. Most of my friends... Anyone, any of my friends who don't work in the media don't use Twitter and wouldn't have a clue. And my sister was actually saying the other day, she was like, oh, I got trolled. Um, she'd emailed um, SOS DIY, that show where they go in because a friend of hers had a disabled little boy and she tweeted Nick Knowles directly and someone had tweeted being like, do you really think that Nick Knowles something's through that? And I was like, babe, that is not being trolled. You, you, wait, you wait till you'd be told to like, curl up and die. But the thing is, is it is it is definitely a knack. And I really feel for you because the journalist is obviously, you know, it's a bit it's a bit of a harsh reaction, but I can also see why they were angry that their kind of tweet had been tweaked like that. But to be honest, people make mistakes on Twitter all the time. As journalists, you frequently tweet a reply to something and think, oh God, I know I didn't. I'm always apologising for stuff. Mm. I mean, last week on the high I referred to a vice journalist who is a man as a woman and I've had endless tweets. And you can imagine vice of all publications really let that one lie. He was actually very nice about it, but everyone else was like, oh my God, how can you not know? And you know, and um, it was an unusual name and I hadn't looked at the pictures of him and I didn't realise and I apologised and he was very graceful about it. But um, we have to apologise for stuff all the time. I mean, only last week, Marvellous Miss Maisel. Yeah, which I said was <laughs> Netflix and Amazon emailed us to say it wasn't. Oh, Amazon. Uh, yeah, OK. <laughs> so I would, re- I, I personally would say, oh my God, please do not worry because there are s- people do worse things all the time. Just obviously give that journalist, say, a, a wide birth when you're retweeting them in future what, what would you say Stu? I think that's quite bad form on the part of the journalist because I would just ignore that to be honest they must have been having a bad day yeah. to pick up on that and it's not to, a big deal to retweet it presumably they have lots, lots and lots of, of followers. followers that's what I thought you're sort of using it as a megaphone to berate a, someone with barely any followers and it's like when it's so passive aggressive when people retweet with it I hate it when people do that when they re, you know, instead of replying to someone, you retweet to be like, not only do I disagree with you and you've pissed me off, but I'm going to make sure everyone can see. Yeah, everyone yes. knows exactly re- who you yeah. are, yeah, and you totally set all annoying. of your fo- all of their followers on you. Yeah, thing is, they think it makes them seem really salt of the earth. Yeah, because it's like, look, Transparency. I'm I'm aware of my criticism or my whatever, but actually, I do think. It can be. Not everything has to be public. Yeah, Not I, every I, I, conversation has to be like collective. I think it can be quite shaming and mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, I can see if it looked like a company, if you'd tweeted something and a company had sort of attached themselves to it with a hashtag, because hashtags yeah. are very they're potent now. Yes, and. Mm you're attaching yourself to something larger with a hashtag mm. you're it's it's not uh, she said she's only got a few followers but you don't know how many people are looking at the hashtag so it's that's a it's a tricky one to navigate but it's i'm sure it's a mistake that'll only be made once yeah and also it means you'll now be particularly sensitive when you're using other people's tweets but in terms of being embarrassed with your colleagues what's so sad and sweet about this is all you were showing was actually like an enthusiasm yeah. for your company you know you were trying to advertise your company you haven't as internet and twitter faux pas go it could be much worse <laughs> i actually think your company had a responsibility here to teach you how to use this tool yeah. rather than just saying you need to go and retweet using this hashtag so we can track for engagement you know if you work in a city firm there's no reason why you would necessarily know how to use social media you'll probably know all sorts of things about the city world, mm. <laughs> the meet you dolly. World. Exactly, the meet you dolly. Don't that sounds don't like have a theme a park? <laughs> I don't really understand what even what goes on in Canary Wharf. <laughs> what stays does in go, Canary Wharf? What does go on in Canary city Wharf? City life. But what is that? 
Oh, Rick's I have a story about Not social media. <laughs> I'll tell you later about the Canary Wharf story I've got. So I think don't beat yourself up in conclusion. Yeah, and it's the internet. It happened and then it's it's passed and everyone's angry about They've been angry about 15 things since. Exactly. So it's just, it, it passes. Yeah. It's very transient. Dear Dolly and Pandora, after drifting aimlessly from job to job, unsure of what I wanted to do, I finally found myself pursuing a career I'm excited about and at a great company to boot. One month in, everything's going really well and I'm getting on really well with all my colleagues until I opened my secret Santa from our happily married managing director, a man who is well-loved and reminds me of my dad. In the card I received that night, he had written a poem. It made me feel queasy, but it was only later that night when I showed it to my boyfriend and he lost his shit that it sunk in. I've relished the last few months of news about powerful men who have been held to account for violating young women. I like to believe that I have a strong sense of justice and that if it ever came down to it, I would do my part for the cause. I know this doesn't come anywhere close to the kind of assault and violation experienced by some women, but I do think it more or less falls into the territory of workplace sexual harassment. Nevertheless, I now find myself paralysed. Being so new at my job, I fear that saying something against or to such a well-loved man may end up casting aspersions on my own professionalism and result in nothing but a hostile work environment to myself. I do not know what to do. As a footnote, I think I have to read the poem that she attached. A whiff of your nutty fragrance, a brush against your tanned smooth skin, sets my pulse racing and my taste buds yearning. Your creamy texture that rolls between my tongue and the palate sets off fireworks in my mind and tingles down my spine. Oh, I wish to devour you all at once, yet savour you slowly in a dance. There is nothing more exquisite in this world than unsweetened peanut butter. Except Chenin Blanc, almond croissants, and mangoes, perhaps. Well, it was a fucking terrible <laughs> yeah. poem. That just ended with a shopping list. That was... <laughs> what a cunt, it's though. A ter- That's awful. It's a terrible poem. It's also really contradictory because at one point she has tan skin and then another it's creamy. Everyone knows that creamy means pale. Um, yeah, it's also rank. It's really yeah. inappropriate. It's completely disgusting. It's, sorry. It's also... It's not funny, but it is fucking bizarre. Because yeah. when I read the... Did he proofread his own work? Every great poet should at least read it through once. <laughs> when I read the email, I was like... Oh, maybe yeah, he's maybe, just, maybe a... he's a bit dodgy and he's like missed the tone. And then I read that and I was like, no wonder your boyfriend went mental. Like that's completely. I'm I'm really impressed that you impressed and sad as as those two words often go hand in hand with that kind of workplace um, harassment. I'm I'm I can't believe that you didn't, you yeah. know, that your face did not belie. Oh my God, I feel for you because I've said, we've discussed this before when we first started talking about Me Too and that it's not easy to be a whistleblower. You have to think of the economic privilege of a lot of those women in the film industry in that if she calls him out, she could very likely be fired and then of course she doesn't have a job and she doesn't have any money. This man is well loved. He's he's the managing director. What would you two suggest she would do? I mean, it does sound like a Loctite HR scenario, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, she's got evidence. She's yeah. got paper evidence. I think she has to report yeah. it. I really do. Because it starts with this stuff and then yeah. it, you don't know where that can escalate. And in the words of Catelyn Moran wrote a great column about this, you've got to think of the women that come after you. You do have to, you know, she would be so The awful upset. thing is, though, because I want us to be realistic about it, is that you do hear about people going to their HR and the HR essentially saying you have one choice only and that is to leave because this guy's the managing director. I have heard of that happening. No, it does happen. So as as well as doing that, but if you go to HR and they're not supportive, what way can she call him out on it whilst still managing to work alongside him? I wouldn't speak to him directly. 
I think that could put her in a compromising position where she feels vulnerable. I would report it to HR. And when she reports it to HR, depending on how you feel about it, you know, if this is an anomaly in his behaviour and he's never done anything like this before, then I would say, can you please speak to him about this and can he have like a warning? Mm. But rather than it being as drastic as calling for him to be fired or say I don't want to work in a close proximity with him. Yeah, I would request a transfer. I would also, there are lots of affordable, I can't think off the top of my head of places where you can go. But if you Google, I know that there are kind of charitable organisations where you can go for a meeting, get some advice, which is free. I don't know if this is an old-fashioned suggestion or anything, but um, there's the Citizens Advice Bureau. Totally. And there's also ACAS, which stands for Advisory Conciliation and Arbitration Service. And it basically provides free and impartial information and advice to employees and employers on all aspects of workplace relations and employment law. And I think an appointment with them would not only fill you with confidence to know what to do next, but it would also mean that you have the arsenal when you're speaking to HR, Mm. if they turn out to be dickheads, which, you know, you do hear about sometimes with HR, they're not always the angel that like, your company makes you ble- have a problem go to HR you know very often HR aren't that helpful unfortunately and if they're not I think know that there are places you can go do do your due diligence you know don't dismiss this but don't act on it until you feel equipped with the kind of confidence and the information yes I agree with I think that's good advice I wonder as well also if it's just worth sort of asking around about him because if if she's new at her job did you say Yes, and and yeah. the the MD's beloved. I wonder if you dig around a bit whether because the Me Too thing has sort of taught everyone that yeah. these things aren't isolated ever. Yeah. There's always a pattern. So if if she's had behaviour like this, I'm sure mm. other yeah. Do in you the do you have anyone that you trust at work? It could be your project manager if you have a project manager, or it could be someone you sit next to that you trust, and you don't need to obviously outright say, but. Oh, I don't know. Maybe you do outright say, maybe you do go to your line manager and you say, this needs to be kept confidential, but I received this perm and I'm not comfortable and I need to know if there's a history of this mm. in this workplace. Mm. I, I, I want to act with the with the kind of necessary knowledge. You just have to hope that your that your line manager has the kind of ethical compunction to be honest with you about it. As you say, no one else in isolation. But I am very sorry that you also were the recipient of the world's worst poem. We, mm, we crown it the Hilo's worst poem of 2017. <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done. Thank you so much to everyone who listened to the Hilo this year, everyone who sponsored the Hilo, everyone who came to the Hilo live events, everyone who's emailed us and tweeted us. And you can email and tweet us show at gmail.com and you can tweet us at the Hilo show. The Hilo will be sleeping or drinking, depending on which half you are addressing over Christmas. So do expect a lag in reply. Thank you to Stu Heritage for joining us. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> Where can we find you? At Stu Heritage. At Stu Heritage. In Kent, on, yeah, not in driving. Kent. <laughs> but there are no buses, so I can't really get around. He'll be on the beach looking for a lift. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, where can we actually find no, you? No, yeah, just my Stu Heritage on the internet. And your and, and book, my book is out. Is out. It's called Don't Be a Dick Pete, and it's good. It was one of my favourite books of the last year. We both thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much for joining us, Stu. And thank you very much to producer Charlie and to his occasional stand-in, Dave. Happy New Year to you both. And we'll see... We won't see any of you. We will hear... We'll or be, we will talk, talk at, you at you in 2018. Here is a compilation of the highs and lows of 
for Hilo. Bye-bye. Happy New Year. Hello you and welcome to the very first episode of The Hilo. Bloody hell, it's good to be here finally. Land sakes are goshen, we're excited to bring this to you. <laughs> For those of you who were fond, attached to the Pandoli format, the format of The Hilo will be similar. There'll be obviously some tweaks here and there, but um, please do spare us your tweets if we preferred your early albums. <laughs> Is that, does that give you bladder infections holding in wee? Yeah. Oh, so it's good for your pelvic floor, but bad for your piss. Yeah, it's not. It's not an easy one, is it? It's the. Uh, it's the sort of magic so balance. Sophie's, the Sophie's choice <laughs> of vaginas. <laughs> the bladder. What about the intern that you have shot in your handbag right now, Dolly? When did you last feed? <laughs> On to the question. It's good exposure for Chloe. <laughs> for Chloe, nice. Hi ladies, I'm having a friendship dilemma and found myself wondering what Pandora and Dolly would do. Don't wonder that too often. I would say, my love. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Of Pammy Andy, <laughs> and um, she's a pretty woke woman. It just doesn't work when I use that word, does it? No. There once was a girl named Dolly. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Go on. There once was a girl named Dolly who was capable of tremendous folly. She took off her knickers with her <laughs> eyes all of a flicker and downed a bottle of Bolly. <laughs> Quite good in like twenty seconds, isn't it? It's fairly accurate. <laughs> description of my Saturday night. But the problem with having a private room, and because we were drinking so much... Oh my god, the problem with having a private room by Dolly Alderton, a short story of privilege. Listeners of the High Low will know that last week I wrote a limerick about Dolly that she was pretty underwhelmed by. (laughs) Um, But other people enjoyed it, so now I've written another one about Dolly, and I'm going to see how many limericks I can write about you. You'll know her as Dolly, but Hannah, her name, famed for her wit and her golden mane. She has legs up to here, but please don't leer. She finds people who shout tall, just lame. Oh, that's, is that more of a haiku? This is a real role reversal, because normally it's people emailing me angrily on a Sunday being like, find me a blazer for a wedding now. <laughs> the, leg, the legacy of having worked once as a columnist called wardrobe mistress. Did you try the cacao ball? No, I haven't eaten that yet. I, I would munch that now. now because you could munch it in 10 seconds flat while I'm waffling on. Isn't it bad? Shall I go get it? Oh, no, no. I gave it to our producer, Charlie's wife, and it's going to her. Oh, no, okay. don't give it back, Charlie. I don't want to see you come into our little booth. <laughs> I found a musical instrument from my youth at home, and I'm oh going to play you a small tune, but you have to shut your eyes. I don't want you to see me get out of I'm so excited. I really hope it's a kazoo. I really hope it's a kazoo. Hold on. Just ferreting in my bag for it. Don't know. Not looking. Oh my god, I hope it's not a recorder, is it? (laughs) Is that the corset one? No. No, it's not. the weariest look you've ever given me. It's not the corset one. It's set in present day in a police station. Also, another one that's just come out on Netflix, there's been a lot of hype about this, is Girl Boss. Now that is Tulicia. It's now time for our first ever author special with Rennie Edo-Lodge, who has now joined us in our studio. Hello, thanks for having me. (laughs) We are now joined by the award-winning and frankly brilliant journalist Elizabeth Day. Thank you so much for having me, first of all. I'm very delighted to be lured to this podcast (laughs) because I'm a huge fan. We're back in the studio today with comedian Rosie Wilby, who has written a book called Is Monogamy Dead? 
Hi, lovely to be here. Today we have another author special for you with man of the internet and GQ columnist Jim Chapman. So we now have Jim, who's the first man on the show. Lucky me. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Can I tell you how much I'm missing Instagram? That when I when I heard that you were in Dorset, do you know what I thought? I thought, oh, if I was in Dorset and I was posting a picture, I would caption it the Great Out Dorset. <laughs> So I gave five sets of polls asking people what their favourite sandwiches were. Did you want people to answer all five? Because I got a bit confused and I just answered one. But I told you, let the sandwich choose you. Because if there were more than one poll that really spoke to you, then you should have voted in both Pandora. And if I didn't make that clear, then I regret it deeply. There is a new cream for your bottom called Bum Bum Cream. <laughs> it contains caffeine and it claims to... T- <laughs> Come on, Dolly. It claims to tighten your ass. <laughs> Not whole. <laughs> for £44 from Selfridges. Apparently people with bigger bums also live longer. Oh, well, I'm fucked. <laughs> Anyways. Where Pandora revealed talking about our changing relationship with makeup so obviously Pandora took it as uh, the correct platform to reveal that she wants to put impulse body spray up her bottom sprayed it I didn't put a can of it up my bottom and I was also seven I think they're both crimes cut of the same cloth can I welcome Dolly Alderton and Pandora Sykes to start the first ever live high note show hello everyone as we suspected, predominantly male listenership. <laughs> Our guest today is iconic editor Tina Brown. In the glossy media world of the 80s, Tina became editor of Tatler aged just 25 and editor of Vanity Fair aged 29. You might have noticed we essentially named our podcast after you. You famously coined the term high-low journalism. Well, thank you very much. I'm most flattered to hear that the high-low has anything to do with me, I have to say. So that's good news. India said... Whatever happened to the Lighthouse family? And I said, I didn't know it's a crime. Oh, you know what happened to the Lighthouse family? What did happen to the Lighthouse family? Pervert. What? The, um, the main guy, what's he called? The Tundi. singer. R. Kelly. Oh, my God. That's what happened R. to the Lighthouse Kelly family. Kelly was not in the Lighthouse family, Pandora. What was he in? R. Kelly was just a solo artist. R. Kelly was in the Lighthouse family. <laughs> Is he definitely not? 100%. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.